I've never met a person who lives in as much fear of his mother as you do. You know what I should tell my mother what we do in here at night? What, that you play video games and I fall asleep unfulfilled? Oh, she calls you callow in here. You say that like it's bad. Well, it means frightened and weak-willed. That was the only part of the letter I thought was complimentary. This is Brody's private hell. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? And these... Brody man, Nietzsche Nochies. ...are his friends. Ow! Oh, sorry. It's all right. What's a stink palm? Take your hand, you stick it like this. <sighs> there, now you shake hands with the guy. You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? <laughs> you know about this game show thing they got going on here? Well, we need you guys to somehow ensure that it doesn't happen. Fly, badass, fly! Mall rats. You said it was a good size. When a girl says it's a good size, it's a nice way of saying that it's small. What else did you expect from the director of Clerks? Hey! Snoochie Boochies, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. Send you over to Jason Rugard. I'll let you know what we're talking about. We are talking about the 1995 film Mallrats. Kevin Smith's second film, after it's a hugely successful Clerks, uh, was the dismally received Mallrats. And we're going to be talking about that today. A lot of things to go over about this film. I hadn't seen this since uh, its initial video release, which was easily 25 years ago, I guess now, 24 years ago. Sometime in 1996. Have you followed up with this recently, or had it been a while since you went back and watched this? Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I've seen this um, 15 years ago. Some multiple times throughout the uh, years. When, on, the, on the 10th anniversary, because I own the 10th anniversary, uh, you know, uh, what is that, Rogue? What was that, uh, Universal? Um, yeah, they had like an arm. That, that, in, that independent Universal thing. Yeah, it was like they're a... Uh, Oh, God, like they're screen gems in a way. It was like a lot of horror. And they released a special edition DVD back in 2005, correct? Uh, right. 10th anniversary special edition, uh, extended cut. It's a flipper disc, extended cut, theatrical cut on one side. That sucks. So I watched the extended edition on that DVD, uh, which has the worst uh, sound like leveling that I've ever in my life. I had to turn it up so loud to be able to hear anything uh, on that DVD. Horrible. That's uh, pretty shitty. I actually was I, I thought I had this somewhere on DVD. I thought I owned this because it just seemed like something I would own. It's in the collection, even though I haven't watched it for years. I couldn't find it. And then I went searching around for it. I was going to buy it on iTunes. It's very cheap on there. But do you know how I found this? I, I watched this on Facebook. On Tubi TV. No, Kevin oh, Smith Facebook. posted this on his Facebook channel on 420 at, and during quarantine as a kind of uh, a thank you, Movie Monday. And it had some interesting trivia before it started, but it was beautifully HD. How did you watch this on Facebook? If then? you go to Kevin Smith's <laughs> did Facebook you page. stream it? Did you... He, he posted it. it, it do it on your iPad or something yep. to your TV? Exactly. Is that what she did? Uh. It said it had almost 400,000 views from when he posted it. So that's, that's fairly impressive. Mm. I wonder Facebook, if that was theatrical or extended. It, I want to say it was the theatrical because I don't remember. It was an hour and 34 minutes I don't minutes know long. what the difference is, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't know what the, if there's a time long? difference. Hour and 34? There is a, a, a time difference. Yeah, well, I think that's about the um, time uh, of the theatrical then. Yeah, the theatrical is an hour and a half, and, and the extended edition is two hours. Oh, no, no, no. I watched, my goodness, you watched two hours of this? Wow. Yeah. 
Well, uh, it's not a good cut, bro. Not a good cut. <laughs> let's let's do a little uh, little background there on this. There is no cut, actually. Well, let me let me. Well, okay, but before we do that, there's something weird about the extended cut that I don't remember necessarily in the theatrical cut. But again, you know, fifteen twenty five. We're talking a long time here. Um, there are m- a massive amounts of jump cuts in this. No, did you notice any of that, especially at the beginning? No, I didn't notice that at all. When he's in, when he's in bed and stuff. No, so that's all just extended cut stuff. It's so weird. Maybe it weird jump cuts. They didn't edit well. That's why they got rid of it initially, or just for pacing issues and whatnot. Um, no, it, this well, one, or the extended edition is just the the you know um, the the first cut, right? It's the possible. assembly cut. Yes, just everything put together. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word, <laughs> but yes, maybe perhaps that's what it is. This was released in October of 1995. It was uh, shot with a crew of 50 people in 32 days for $6 million. Uh, This was going to be the box office hit, you know, the studio film after the independently made Clerks, which was done for, they say, for $27,000. But, of course, a lot of money was pumped in in post-production and when Weinstein got his hands on it. But still a cheap film that made money. This was an expensive film that made no money. It grossed just a little over... (laughs) Two million at the box office, so a big letdown. This is a, this is his only Universal movie. His only studio film until Cop Out, right? Is that is that right? I mean, outside of well, the Miramax. Co- who was Cop Out? Was Sony, right? No, Cop Out was Universal, I believe. Was it still Universal? I was, was going to say, did, was nah, that Warner Universal? Brothers. It's Warner Brothers. It was Warner Brothers. I yeah. was going to say this is his only Universal one, right? What the? With Zach and Mary, who did that? What was the? Uh, gosh. That was Weinstein. Was that yeah, Weinstein? Yeah, I think that's the Weinstein was Company. Was it the Weinstein Company? Mm-hmm, when yeah. they did that. Uh, but you know what? Yeah, this so is this also... Is his, his only Universal movie, right? It's also Gramercy, and I think they both co-produced this. I don't think this was all Universal. Gramercy, Gramercy and um, Universal came together to make this. Um, This was distributed by Gramercy. Yeah, which a lot of films during that era were i think gramercy had maybe an arm um, in the so this is part of arista, arista oh, gramercy is a part venture between polygram and universal there you go polygram. So that, that's how it works out <laughs> um six million dollars was a lot of money a huge step up for smith and it, you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna set this right here at the onset i never took to mall rats i never liked this mm-hmm. movie and it's. I still find it very hard to like this movie. I did not enjoy rewatching this at all. Uh, I found it even more stale and immature and um, really just amateuristic on so many levels. It was hard to get through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible to use that as descriptive words following Clerks, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Clerks is a masterpiece compared to this. Um, it really just the dialogue is horrible. It, it feels like a Kevin Smith movie, but it feels like a Kevin Smith movie written by I don't know fourteen year old Kevin Smith. You and know? they all does, um, it's just it's, it's not as good. And I also thought like, like for as much as I did enjoy the mall in this movie, I I, I was way more excited to see you know <clears throat> excuse me the mall in at the beginning of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. They just did not do a good job of showing off the small. And to be fair, at the time, maybe they didn't know uh, how important that might become, you know, later on in the years for. Um, oh, but but I, I don't know. I kind of blame that a little bit on Kevin Smith for choosing this location, something that is a, a very visual location, and then having 
no visual eye to shoot anything good in it. I mean, it's 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 horribly framed and shot for the majority of the movie. Now you made a joke that it should be called Master Shots, and you're right. <laughs> the whole thing is a damn Master Shot, man. I've never seen more Master Shots. This is this a Woody Allen movie? Yeah, it's 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 two shots. It's very few close-ups, uh, and for for something that's shot so wide, they don't do a very good job with the visuals. And, and Kevin Smith oh, would say that long cuts in this too, man. Oh, very. I mean, long. I'm surprised some people are. They just go on and on and on. I'm like, Jesus, give them a break, give them a cut, man. Yeah, I mean, this, what's strange about this movie? I always thought this obviously we said was released in 1995. And this movie mm-hmm. was supposed to have that cool factor, right? That it should have been a company to this film. And I always felt that another movie in 1995 came out and stole that cool factor. And that movie was Clueless. And that was released mm-hmm. a little bit earlier in the year. And I know it's a different movie tonally, uh, but it's still... It's more polished, for it, sure. It, but it still appealed to the same demographic. And it did a better job stamping mm-hmm. that time period I feel like than this did but then again Mallrats was a bit ahead of its time in its love for Stan Lee comic book you know fandom and, and that kind of which it, that stuff plays a lot better to me in 2020 than it did in 95 the sticky palm um, that, that's you know one of the rare high points of this movie <laughs> That was something at least you could you would take away from this uh, something you would you would talk about, but as a lot of Smith movies have those moments. But yeah, it's it, I, the dialogue is just so stinted and bad, and um, Jason Lee is t- so over the top, like in his delivery, uh, which would be fine if the if the dialogue was any good. I don't know. My it's problem just, isn't with Jason Lee in this movie; it's London. Uh, is that Jason London? He is terrible in this movie. No, he Jeremy is, London. Is it yeah. Jeremy London? Okay, one of, the one that's not yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, the straight, well, the main character, really. He, Even though they show Jason Lee a lot, the, Jeremy London is the straight character. Awful. Uh, the straight character. There's, you know, the straight man. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, but it really is his movie, you know? Uh, I don't think it's, uh, like, Jason Lee is his sidekick, right? London's awful in this movie. Lee is overacting because it's his first role. Uh, a few people that were up for the role of Brody. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, first, a little bit of trivia. Do you know that the shirt that Jason Lee is wearing throughout the movie is a conglomeration of morphed images from all the actors that auditioned for the role? I don't even remember what the shirt looks like, it's but okay. It's heads that are all kind of messed up. And the, those heads would be Adam Sandler who at that point was just coming off Saturday Night Live. So it's interesting. If Sandler would have gotten this movie, he presumably wouldn't have done Billy Madison because that would have been the same year it was released. A different career. Mm. Also, Steve Zahn auditioned for this role. Didn't get it. I could see Steve Zahn uh, doing that role pretty well. And Uh, Henry Thomas, the strangest choice. uh, The lead actor from E.T. All Grown's Up. Interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd say that all three of those men would have done a better job than London. Or not London, excuse me, Lee. You're talking about Jason yeah, Lee. Jason um, Lee. I don't know. I mean, I disagree. Uh, I think Jason Lee uh, is great in chasing Amy, and uh, so I'm glad that he's become a part of the crew. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's definitely that that traveling but, road um, company. Yeah, I mean, every time, I don't know. It, as far as Smith always explains casting, um, everything winds up becoming more or less a blessing uh, to him, and I kind of agree with that. Uh, this movie may have been a failure, but. In hindsight, it's a bit of a blessing, you know, even though we still, I still don't like it so much, but it's still very Kevin Smith and it's very much a part of, of his, uh, beginnings. So I admire it for what it is there. Um, 
I don't know. Claire Forlani's hot. I mean, she looks great in this movie, and so does Joey Laurie at Joey Lauren Adams. <laughs> Everyone does. Shannon Doherty, yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're all, they're peaking. I was like, geez, they are peaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot how uh, attractive Claire Forlane was. In- I mean, Michael Roker is always great, but I don't. Well, <laughs> in, well, this, in this role, it's very it's very much like a uh, like an. It, this movie feels kind of like it wants to be in the eighties. Does that make sense? Yeah, at it could be a ski like, like, ski school type movie. You know what I mean? A hot dog, Porky's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hot dog. Like it just doesn't. It feel like mall rats, right? It feels like um, it feels like it doesn't belong in the '90s. Um, as much as the the passing moments where they're just walking around and kind of fucking around and stuff, that feels like I'm in the '90s. Mm-hmm. But then it'll go to some some major moment in the actual film and in, in the storyline. I'll feel like God. This feels ten years older. It feels hijinksy, like too much. Uh, exactly. Yeah, too many hijinks, random hijinks. And you, we talked about some cast members there. Michael Rooker obviously uh, is is oddly cast in this film, and for really for no the, reason that he'd want to appear. This is Sven Olthorsen, mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger's best friend, plays the right. the security guard. There's just some, some bizarre guard. casting choices in this movie. Well, I also I and I thought the underage uh, sex stuff was a bit. Like, I don't know if that's just a, a, a sign of the times, but it just was was odd. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, I felt, thought, my God, this is odd. I felt a bit odd watching that scene, too. And um, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, haven't seen the Any movie in a it. while, a 15-year-old girl is just conducting when they talk about it. a sex study uh, by having sex with a lot I'm of filming older age guys. I mean, the first thing I thought was, Jesus, that is horribly illegal. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she said she got consent, remember? And that was, you know, it was a big turn on. Yeah, but you guys. can't. I mean, she can't. She can't give consent, but she got consent. Like, I get a lot of the joking around and what he was doing with it. It just it falls flat and also it feels like like I don't even know like why is this a, a, why would that be the promiscuity of of young people that you would present in this movie it's weird particularly why make her so young why couldn't she be 17 18 well, all the other characters are fucking around and doing this stuff but they are of course older characters trying to figure out their lives and things and to have her as as the teenager hanging out at the mall who is literally just um, fucking everybody doesn't care about her life. Yeah. I, I like, I'm very confused about that whole um, decision-making thing for why that character is in there and, and what's going on with her. But yeah, I just felt a little off about it, you know, and, and, and that's the other thing about this movie is that a lot of this, a lot of the jokes fall flat. They're not very funny in this, even though they're extremely kind of gross. They, 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 it's almost like he's trying to be edgy a little maybe a little too edgy now jay is always on uh spot on i think he's funny regardless but you know that's the delivery you know that that's the greatness uh now jason muse in his prime is jason muse, is, yeah. and jason muse in this movie is the reason to see this movie in fact let's take a quick break and let them let our audience members listen to a clip of the meeting between jason lee scott meeting jay and silent bob for the first time kitty 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 hey kitty, jay Brody man, Nucci Nucci's. And look at this shit, the mad fat chick killer. Can't believe how fast word travels in this time. Excellent. What's he doing? Oh, uh, shithead here watched Empire and Jedi last week, and ever since he's been trying to do the Jedi mind trick. Crazy fuck thinks he'll levitate shit with his thoughts. Knock it off. The force is strong with this one. Dude, don't encourage him. So I was just telling TS here we gotta find Jay and Silent Bob. If there's anyone that can help us out, it's the two guys that have even less to do than us. 
What is this shit? Everyone's looking for us today. We're ducking Trisha because she wants to talk to Obi-Wan here about her video setup. Why him? Silent Bob's an electrical genius. He won the science fair in eighth grade by turning his mom's vibrator into a CD player using some chicken wire and shit. Motherfuckers like MacGyver. No motherfuckers better than MacGyver. Alright, well you can hear in that clip how much energy Muse brings to the, that scene. That's pretty much the opening scene with those characters, bringing them back and connecting them to the, the, the clerk's universe. Uh, Muse there is so amusing, you almost want the whole movie to be about him, right? That's how I felt. Every time they went to them, I thought, And in some degree, leave. you're about to get that. Um, yeah, right, with the next film. Which is an interesting, uh, as well, uh, yeah, an interesting thing they have in this movie is um, a lot of... Um, I don't know how necessarily how he did this, or um, it must have been on purpose, but so much of this movie feels like it's made out of the rest of the viewers universe, you know, the, 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 the universe that he's created, which doesn't yet exist. I, I know he does a good job at crafting these people that have existed. Every movie Smith has made felt like it built on one another. I will say that, yes. you know, so I, that's why I feel like this movie still, this movie's not very good. There's a lot to complain about, but it's still a part of that. Like it's still worth watching, um, you know, before you're dead. I guess is what I would say if you, if you're a Kevin Smith fan you're, or um, relatively any have any inclination to like any of his stuff. Well, the thing with Kevin I, Smith's I, films is that I find myself that I like Kevin Smith the person more than I like his films outside of Clerks. I really I like the Clerks, view, but I never the view a universe movies. I like Clerks. I like Clerks too. I like uh, James and Bob Strike Back. Yeah, you're um, a bigger fan than I am of this stuff. I mean, I do. Uh, I like Zach and Mary a lot. Um, Zach and Mary is. But I don't like the recent stuff. I I think he's really, really, um, but they're they're great attempts. I think he's a really solid writer. Um, and and to be honest, a solid filmmaker. I just don't like everything he's done. I think that this movie, particularly Mallrats here, is filled with too many jokes, and it's hard to say that. But every line is so dense with the punchlines and this and that. Even Woody There's Allen. There's almost no storyline at times. I mean, well, this is this was taken verbatim. I'm glad you brought that up from. Kevin Smith's mouth during promotion of this movie on a talk show. He said, this is movie is John Hughes and John Landis meets Clerks. It's short on plot, but long on laughs. Um, yeah. That was the goal. Maybe successful in that there are some... It is a lot like... There's some wittiness. Like Woody but, Allen, right? Yeah, it's yeah, very Yeah, because Woody Allen. It, Woody Allen movies is people walking around talking and stuff, but that is that furthers the... The plot, right? It furthers uh, the character development and what's going on. It doesn't really do that here. Um, instead, we just get things like uh, sex on an elevator, which is the elevator is so weird in this mall. Yeah. It's, uh, How many floors does this mall have? Well, I, I mean, Ben Affleck's such an asshole in this movie. It, it, it always shaped my persona of what Ben Affleck was in real life. I always assumed he was this asshole. <laughs> when he when he beats Jason Lee in the, yeah, and he works in the um, men's department. In the corridors I mean, or whatever. Yeah. A couple of, I mean, that is, I, I like, the, some of the lines in this movie are very good. I mean, you mentioned the, the stink hand. I think that when he's talking about laying yeah, with the, the girl and, and not knowing where to put his arm at night is very kind of insightful and kind of yes. very clever. I mm -hmm. also like when Ben Affleck's beating the hell out of Jason Lee Scott and he's telling him, I can't people that show up with no people that show up to the mall with no consumer agenda you know things like yeah, this I mean I there are certain people lines just hanging out here that, just mall rats yeah, you there, fucking, right? yeah people come here you don't shop you don't consume you're just mm -hmm. fucking hanging out like I love that kind of shit in this movie but it's very in, in small bits and for a movie that's supposed to have this exuberant energy I feel that it just kind of lingers and, and 
it, it doesn't have this this train that pulls the story along. It felt labored at an hour and a half. I can't mm-hmm. imagine the two hour version that you watched. I do feel like uh, I mean he's been talking about a sequel, and I, and I would be interested in seeing that because I do feel like Kevin Smith, even you know three to five years after this movie got made, if he had had shelled it and instead came back and rewritten it, it would have been much better. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know what this did to his? I mean, I'm sure you, you're a Smith fan, so you know it's a rhetorical question. But for our listeners that don't know, his next movie after mm-hmm. this was going to be Dogma at Universal. Because this flopped mm-hmm. so hard, he basically was persona non grata in in Hollywood, and then he did Chasing Amy, which got her uh, Joey Laurie had to go back to his roots. And, and I, you know, from what he says, that damn near got nominated for a best uh, Oscar for screenplay. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, Joey, Laurie, Joey Adams, I can't say her name tonight, got a Golden Globe nomination. So that was kind of the rebound. That made $12 million, much more than this did on a, on a budget that was much smaller. But that's what it takes, right? Yeah. Because he, he's proven time and time again that he is much better under pressure with a low budget than he is um, with no pressure and a big budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just has. You know, he's much better just off on his own, doing his own thing. And even regardless of, of a lot of the, the recent stuff that I'm not a huge fan of, again, I, I'll hand the, the writing. I, I think artistically, I think they're really good. I just don't like them. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't like the newer stuff because you're a horror guy. And he's dipping his toes into horror, psychological creature features, also, you know, kind of different elements of the horror genre as well. You didn't, you didn't take to Red State, Tusk. Uh, or the other one he just did. No, although Red State is absolutely brilliantly written. Um, as a movie, no, I thought, and I think for some of his stuff, uh, especially Red State, um, but I think Zack and Mary as well, even though I'd like Zack and Mary because it's more in his wheelhouse, um, he did, you know, he tried to copy other successful people. He tried to do what he thought um, was good for something. Maybe because in the case of Red State, he explains it that he didn't really know how to do it, so he just mimicked other people. Which okay, fine. I like. I understand. Well, that, Zach but and Mary, he's chasing some degree, Judd Apatow. Yeah, to some degree, like it gets to a point where it's like, dude, this is not you anymore. Like you're you're kind of making something out of out of nothing here because you think that that's what it should be, but it's just not you, you know. And I felt like Tusk was way more um, him, and the dialogue in Tusk, and there are moments in Tusk where it's like, oh yeah, this is this is good. This is great. Then it gets into the moment where with the actual, you know, walrus nonsense. And it's just it's so silly and it loses its point. Like I don't by the, by the time Tusk ends, I think I don't really care. I don't. It, and it wasn't scary. So I don't I don't know. I think thinking um, of this now, so yeah. you brought up Tusk and Zack and Miri. Justin Long is in that. Justin Long would have been great in the London role here. Yeah. You know what? I, I picture perfect for it. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. He would have been fantastic in that. He he would have played that to where he didn't. I mean, Jeremy feel, London is very close. Yeah, to but Justin Long. He's, to be fair, he's whiny I, I, I in this yeah. and overact. I mean, maybe badly directed. To be fair, uh, you know, but it it feels like it. Uh, his, yeah. I mean, badly acted as, uh, as you might say, but um, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with direction for a lot of things. Because I don't know. It, it, I mean, look at Clerks. There's nothing but bad acting in Clerks. That's true. Um, fantastic movie, right? Clerks 2 as well. More money, more slicker thing. Still bad acting. Amazing film. That's true. But, but it's true. And those guys are great. Like, I really, I, I love Brian Holleran, um, uh, Jeff Anderson. I like them a lot. They're not great in front of a camera. They were, 
it's not that they're bad actors. They're they don't come off as real. They don't come off. Uh, they're in the moment, hundred percent, but they don't feel uh, realistic, right? Well, when you see Ben Affleck, you know, you're like, okay, that's how it's really supposed to be He's done. He's not even Ben Affleck. Even is I don't know. Ben Affleck's half good in this. Really, there there are moments in this when I even think uh, even Roker is a little shaky at times. But again, long cuts, master shots. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't get any nuance in any of the performances. So I really feel like uh, the actors were just. Um, Okay. They're just throwing out their naked for all to see, you know, every, every mistake they could possibly make. Yeah. This is a huge mm-hmm. disappointment in the fact that we didn't get a great follow up to Clerks, but you do get Chasing Amy out of this. You do get Dogma. You do get the guy who is on the way up. And I would say didn't exactly. stumble again until Jersey Girl. And I think it's that, the blessing in disguise. You know? Yeah, it really it's it's the kick in the nuts and the heartbreak he needed mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, because you don't want him being the glossy studio director. He was never going to be that. He's better off on his own, on, quite honestly, 100 percent. Not only that, but persona wise for who he is as a, as a human being, he's just not Hollywood. And he doesn't belong there. You know, he belongs better off doing his podcast network, interfacing directly with fans, doing what he's doing with his um you know his uh, uh we had that concert uh, releasing series now where he just goes across yeah, the college uh, yeah, tours he goes across the country tours with the movie uh, it's fantastic you know and even that last uh, jane sign the ball which is not good no um irregardless if i saw that in in a setting where kevin smith and jason Mewes were there and everyone's fucking around and we're watching it as if it's like um you know rocky horror picture show type thing I would enjoy the shit out of that, regardless. So yeah. yeah, so that's definitely this is his wheelhouse. This is where he belongs. Yeah, I agree. Him doing that four wall thing where he's renting out theaters and doing the traveling show and uh, the road show and, and and doing the kind of a a Q and A performance with it. We you and I saw one of those live in person with Charlize Theron and, and Jason Reitman for Tilly, and that made that movie a lot more enjoyable. I thought because you're. You know, you're, you're kind of seeing it with 100%. people that may, you're not saying, oh, it's great because they're sitting there. You're, you're saying having the Q&A afterwards helps a lot. It does yeah. to, to understand motivation, what was going on in the day and things like that. You know, it's not just disposable. Yeah, it just makes it more fun, too. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. To keep, uh, it, to keep yeah. <laughs> it behind the curtains, I guess, is what they would say. Exactly. Check out this little bit of information. Do you know that they were thinking about recasting the Jay and Silent Bob role? Um, that Universal was getting a little sketched out by the fact that Kevin Smith was going to be doing acting and directing, but they were more worried about Jason Mewes and his apparent um, ability to just disappear from the set for long periods of time. Drug use. Yes. Um, I, mean, I don't know how bad it was at that time. but um, Do you know who they were thinking about replacing him with? They had two uh, actors in mind, and, and both are very <laughs> odd choices. Imagine. And both are very 90s choices, too, I'll say that. So choice number one was Seth Green. Okay. Choice okay. number two, Brecken Meyer. You see it, but you don't, right? Wait, for who? For, for Jay? Jay? N- neither one of those work. I could kind of no, see Brecken Meyer in a very '90s burnt way, not as energetic. Not even close. But Do you know how how much of a stretch Brecken Meyer would have to give? <laughs> I mean, maybe as the Silent Bob thing, but as Jay. I don't know very many people who are as original as Jason Mewes and have to take over that 100%. role. That that's a true American you know, original, um, right there. You need to be a character actor. You need to be, uh, you know, Johnny Depp maybe could pull it off. Um, it wouldn't come off the same. I he's sometimes weird enough. think about Brad Pitt's oddness in 12 Monkeys. That's acting. Jason Hughes is being right. himself on camera. 
and it's in, yes. at, more entertaining. I'm sorry. I'm saying it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's so when I read that, I thought, holy shit! I'm so glad that they didn't do that because imagine all the future movies we wouldn't have got if they had done that because this that would have just tanked this whole fucking ship at that point. Yeah, that may have that that would have been a harder fall, um, and this would not have fit into the universe um, that he's created anymore. Um, yeah, would have been a huge, a huge, huge issue. Well, you talked a little bit about the sequel that was proposed in January of 2020. Kevin Smith said there will be a follow-up film. You know, now with COVID times and, and the way the industry is, we'll see if this happens. But it was tentatively titled yeah. Twilight of the Mall Rats. And we get Clerks 3 as well. Do you know what I like, though, about Kevin Smith going back and revisiting these films? Every film is almost like a sequel in itself because it has characters from other things. So it's a revisit. And I feel like even the characters, mm-hmm. like a, like Ben Affleck's character in this movie who's a dick and Michael Rooker... I don't feel like he hates any of his people. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he has a certain affection for them. So when he checks back in on them, he's a little nicer about it. He, uh, he, you know what I mean? He's not as... I feel like he's calmed down in his uh, approach to things. Obviously, his movies are still immature, but that's part of the appeal of them. But I feel like he has. A, he feels that these people are right. good-natured or finds the good-natured part of them, which makes them appealing characters uh, in his best work. I think he's always done that, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly, um, uh, I mean, there's a good, it's hard to find someone that could do a good balance between, um, you know, salty and sweet, right. Or sweet and sour yeah. or however you want to put it. And he is someone who can really do that, whether it be just by, you know, someone's language about, um, whatever, you know, a good example of this and not his, but a good example would be bad Santa, right? Right. You have a guy who's a total asshole or whatever, but, but winds up, you know, having to help out this kid. It's as simple as that. Now that some people are, are good at this. Some people are not. And I've always thought Kevin Smith is really good at creating characters who are assholish, say weird things, act weird, um, are people that, would be on the fringe of society that, that, that no one necessarily wants to hang out with, but have enormously redeeming qualities to them. Because of those, I agree with you 100%. And because of what you just said, that's why I wanted him to do the Fletch movies. The Fletch movies, he always said yeah. he was going to do. You just described perfectly that Fletch character. That He would have been brilliantly done with that. I don't know why that never got off the ground. I think he said he was going to do Affleck at one point in the lead. Don't know about that. But just his writing on it would have at least been interesting. I wish we could have got our hands on that script. I don't want to read his Superman Lives script. That's terrible. I want to read that Fletch Lives script. <laughs> well, I'm sure Cop Out probably had to do a lot I with liked the Cop Out. ending of stuff. I watched it recently. It's all right. I did too. I was laughing my ass I off. Know. I think Tracy Morgan works so hard in that movie. And I think Jason Lee in the, in the scenes yeah. with Bruce Willis outacts Bruce Willis. He commands I mean, the screen Bruce Willis. Is a pro- Bruce Willis did just get kicked out of the pharmacy for not wearing a mask. So did he really that prick? Um, he's a he's a bit of a much of a of a, a well, prima donna. A what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you ever if people that haven't heard it out there, Google YouTube Kevin Smith talks Bruce Willis. The things he had to endure working on Cop Out from Bruce Willis, and the fact that Bruce Willis couldn't stand his own fans, um, it really is it's disheartening, and uh, it's one of those horror stories of like. You know, you just realize, like, what an asshole. Yeah, but then you hear the same shit about Harrison Ford, you know? And it just, it's. I do like, um, yeah, I, I like the, um, uh, his story as far as cop out stuff is, is funny and all, but I, I love when he, when he, when he talks about talking to Wiseman, um, about, uh, live free or die hard, because, uh, 
Smith is in that for for a moment, and uh, and so he gets to to talk to Lynn Wiseman, the director of it, and it is that I think is classic. That's that's kind of the punchline of that. I think maybe perhaps the punchline of that um, moment when he's talking about cop out stuff. I think it does go on to that, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, Lynn Wiseman. I know, he's you don't talking know. about Willis Time and all that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, Lynn Wiseman got Hysterical. an ulcer working on uh, Die Hard Four, and uh, Lynn Wiseman's a, a local Bay Area guy. Um, and uh, I, you know, I always liked the guy's films, but I always felt like after that he never really recovered from the Die Hard Four experience, uh, which is a fantastic movie. I, I really like that movie. <laughs> yeah. And Willis is great in that movie, but but Bruno's an asshole. We all know that. That's for sure. Uh, you know, we went back. And Justin Long. And Justin Long, who makes that movie <laughs> hardworking. Justin Long. And we've come full circle. Yeah. Right. I, I, let's talk exactly. about the soundtrack briefly here. This was a fairly popular soundtrack. This was. You know, 1995 was directly in the era when everything got a soundtrack. I mean, uh, and the soundtrack to this, I had the soundtrack to this, and I always preferred the soundtrack to Empire Records over this. I got them on, like, the same weekend or from a friend. I I think I had dubbed copies Mm -hmm. of them, and they were somewhat similar with, like, the edgy rock bands. Uh, A couple of the tracks that are notable on the soundtrack from All Rats, Weezer's Suzanne, that's a pretty big song, and... uh, Squirt Gun Social, which can be heard in the trailers and uh, as the lead out for tonight's episodes. If you want to hear that song, hang around after the credits and check that one out. Did you have the soundtrack? Do you know anyone that had the soundtrack? Was this was a popular thing? I was aware of, of the soundtrack. Um, I always liked Kevin Smith's soundtrack. I even I like the Clerks 2 soundtrack. Um, I think he has a good ear for, for music, um, especially... Uh, things that go along with um the moments in the movies you know yeah, he definitely picks something not quite as sophisticated as cameron crow but um but certainly on that same level or close to it yeah i give him that he's got a good ear for things a lot there's a lot of remixes uh there's a lot of uh covers by hard rock bands I and mean, sublimes on the That's probably what they could pay soundtrack for, right? yeah i mean it, that was very mm-hmm. big back then too and this is right after the the rap rock mixing on judgment night soundtrack and this is kind of very burgeoning time for for the soundtracks i mean after the bodyguard sold all those copies and top gun soundtrack (laughs) and then titanic did well they had had soundtracks since the 80s and stuff yeah but they were i think they were at their zenith they they caught on to that early yeah they they really did it was a great idea (laughs) sell that shit yeah (laughs) but i don't recall any real music videos for this uh, like on mtv or anything for sure no there were none I, i mean this would have been this would have had um I mean, one thing that I think is unfair for this movie, um, it, uh, for the time, yeah, $6 million is quite a bit of money. Not that much, um, though. It's on the low end, guys. I, I understand that the, the marketing for this movie would have been next to nothing. You know, I don't think this had much of a chance. I don't think it was given much of a chance. Um, and so if you make a, an independent film for a major studio and they treat it as if it is a ma- an independent film, um, it, it's not. I don't think it's had a chance to work some as well because an independent film that makes it is something that makes it on its word of mouth, right? Like they, my big fat so Greek wedding or something like that. Yeah. Any of it, Clerks. Just look yeah. at Clerks. Clerks made it on word of mouth, right? That's what made that movie. So to rely on that um, again for this is unfair. You know, I, I would say to begin with, but also the movie sucks. So what do you want? Did you, you see do, this in theaters back in the day? Or no. Uh, I no, no I me neither. And I worked in a movie theater when this was out, and I went and saw Assassins instead, the Stallone movie. 
which, nice. That's you know, a good movie, though. Uh, which was about a $50 million <laughs> production, though, compared to the $6 million production. And as a right. kid, you know, where do you want to spend your dollar? It's, it's, you know, you're paying the seven bucks to go see it. So I'd rather go see the Stallone action film than the Obviously. the little comedy that costs the same amount of money. But I'm glad I caught up on this on video, you know, when I saw it back in the day, because I am a completionist. I do like to see this guy's work. I, I do think this is personally, for me, the low point in his career. This is my least favorite of all the Kevin Smith films. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad we went back and looked at it because it did bring a smile to my face seeing some of the, I don't know, the the younger actors before they had drug problems or before they became movie stars or, you know, before there's certain, there's no cell phones here. There's no internet talk. It's just, it's people getting out of the house to go hang out together somewhere <laughs> else, you know? I thought about that recently. Right. Well, when these I, people are all... They call them all rats, but these people are all bums, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're layabouts and whatnot. I mean, he sleeps all day and, and, and stuff, but... You know, you, you think too that like back in the I day, I did like that he was playing Sega. People, yeah, in, in hockey, no less. <laughs> and they called it that. Yeah, it was hockey, playing the Sega. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> but you know, we, we used to make fun of like uh, skateboarders for not doing anything, and parents would get mad. You just sitting around with these skateboard, do nothing. At least the kids were outside. Shit, they were outside running around and being active. It's a lot different than than nowadays. But this is definitely has some of that skateboard culture in there as well. I mean, this was released the same year as Kids, and uh, another movie that had kind of the cool it factor that this movie did not have. Uh, although once again, tonal is very different. Well, yeah. If you want, yeah, if you want to say, I mean, talk about a fucked up sexual movie. But I saw that movie in a theater with friends. We snuck in to see that. You yeah. know, so like th- those were the movies that we wanted to see because they had like kind of the cool factor. Mall Rats was on no one's radar, and it should have been on all of our radars because the marketing, once again, was not yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, that's the amazing thing. Also, about wasn't VHS. very good. They might, they may have known. <laughs> Yeah, the trailer's bad. We we played that at the beginning of the, the. I cut that too a little bit so that it played a little better. And there, it's 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 not very well done. Um, I think they knew. What yeah. They Although the Stanley uh, the Stanley moment is nice. quite cool. I thought I always liked that that part of this. Um, and he uh, does a great job of delivering the the story to Jason Lee. You know uh, about the love. He's majestic. Um, He's a fucking stuff, unicorn. But yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's weird to say that, but it's true. I've always liked that uh, that scene out of this movie, and probably the best scene in, in the, the movie. entire movie. It's what it's mm-hmm. it's what I remembered about this movie actually more than anything else was that this was the movie that kind of introduced Stanley uh, to audiences and mainstream audiences. I'd say that maybe didn't know who he was previously, but you know, uh, what was his famous words? It wasn't Excalibur? It was a uh, Excalibur. There you go. Oh, Excelsior. Excelsior. Thank you. Excalibur, my goodness. So you tell us late at night when we're yeah, doing you're this. making me say Excalibur. So are you happy yeah, we went exactly. back and looked at this? What are your final thoughts on Mallrats? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy we, we looked back on this. I, I think uh, this is a good movie to revisit um, every 15 years. Or 25. <laughs> let, me, let me give you enough time to forget about it, you know, and then I, I can watch it again. Um, I will say that... Uh, Earl Dittman and Jim Wynorski are now my Facebook friends, and Earl Dittman follows me on Twitter, and that is oodles more exciting than fucking uh, mall rats. So three people know who the fuck both these people are that are listening to this. So, uh, so I don't know. Say I take that for what it is. <laughs> Not much, but we got something, bud. You got something there. Well, I'm going to wrap it up by saying that my final thoughts on Mallrats, uh, I wouldn't mind going another 25 years before I ever watch this movie again, but it was nice to take this trip down memory lane, see a mall, see people walking around inside uh, yes. with no masks on, doing commerce, and kind of going about American suburban great, life. Though. Yeah, this, I do love the mall. I mean, my mall sucks now, but 
I love the mall. I love the idea of the mall, especially during this era. You know, it was mm-hmm. it had everything, it, all your social activity. I love the mall activity. better when it had the the uh, um, movie theater in it. Yeah. And when you went to go watch the movies, uh, the air conditioner would run and it would rattle real loud. Fuck. <laughs> Giant piece of shit. You know? I mean, I mean, I miss the sound of a of a beer bottle mm-hmm. rolling down. And you'd you'd walk in, yeah, exactly. You'd walk in, and before they start the movie, they would come in and they would put the masking down, you know, on the screen, so the screen would shrink. Oh like, yeah. Wait a minute, that's not right. It is. <laughs> Curtains and then immediately stains. the air conditioner would kick in. You know, you'd be like, oh, that's how we're doing it. All right. Uh, we used to have a shit theater where you could literally hear like everything from bleeding in on both sides from the theaters that surrounded you. Oh, 100%. So. The, the, um, well, you've been to the, um, the dollar one down there. Yeah. Uh, but we, but, uh, I mean, I believe we're, did you go to that before it was a dollar theater as well? Didn't yes. we see, um, yes. we saw um, something like Skycap Sound or of Thunder. There. And, um, yes, I think we saw Sound of Thunder there. We may have seen Alone in the Dark there as well, but I think, um, um, what was the time movie with the castles? Um, uh, timeline. Uh, we also saw Ongbok there. We saw a lot of things there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that was that was when it was a man before it, it, that was a full real theater, and even then it sucked. We but saw yeah, Walking when it Dead the there, and the, it, the sound was so bad in Walking Dead, and one of the it fight seats, it, it never it went out. Like the fucking speaker oh, yes, blew. It used to. It doesn't do that anymore though. <laughs> Since they went digital, it doesn't do that. But yeah, when they had the film projectors in there, it, it, the sound was horrendous. The sound would pop if it got too loud. It would just shut off. Like like the fucking like your parents went. I it told would. you to keep that fucking thing down and just turn it off. It fucking would. It would, it would like go too loud. But you could hear the um, the movies playing in other theaters if they were oh all the time fairly loud. Yeah, I forgot that was a regular first run theater before they said fuck it. We're charging a dollar to get in here because they knew. That was that's down in Ventura, California, uh, one of the dollar theaters, one of the last existing dollar theaters down there. You know what's strange is that I just read on Deadline, this is before we get off the air, that Wonder Woman, they were reporting their highest grossing theaters in the nation, and the drive-in right up here by me was the second highest grossing location for it in the nation. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was like, oh, goodness. That's funny. Yeah, drive-ins uh, did it real well. Well, now the so drive-in bring is back. Yeah, well, you know what's funny about this drive-in? I mean, bring I got back. I miss my drive-in. I got love for the drive-in. I'm gonna pay the price to go, mm. but I want to tell you this: before to get in the drive-in, it was five dollars a car. Okay, a car. Now it's nine dollars a person. Ooh, really? <laughs> yeah, things have changed the drive-in. So yeah, I mean, I do. I remember when it was charged. Um, uh, when it uh, well, it did switch to by person. Um. At ours, not not all that long ago, because I remember we were, we used to sneak people in in the trunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the, um, so it wasn't by car up here. I'm actually not sure if it ever was by car. This is why I wanted to go see Fat Man at the drive-in recently, and it was cold as shit. The time didn't work well, out. You've been, and it was you, a, you've I bought you've it. been to our drive-in. You yeah. just didn't know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever you shopped at Barnes and Nobles, you were. Is at that the, the new drive-in? No, that was our old drive. Oh, is that right? Okay. I was like, shit, did they knock down that, that Barnes and no one's got that oh, I wish. Fuck the Barnes. So get out of the, get the fuck out of here. Put up a drive-in? Yeah, knock down whatever you want. Burn all the books inside while you're at it. I don't even give okay. a shit. Yeah. Knock it. What are you putting in a drive-in? I'll help you. Fucking push this shit over and yeah. You're out there laying cement in the heat. No, I think, the, I, I don't want to disparage the drive-in experience. I think the drive-in experience is very fun. I've seen a number of films at the drive-in over the year. Mm-hmm. My suggestion or advice to you is that if you are really interested in watching the movie, 
don't go to the drive-in. It's very hard. Uh, with <laughs> I, I, for like a, like a, a spectacular. I saw Man of Steel there, and I couldn't even see a lot of the effects because it was so dark. But then again, I saw Transformers: it's Dark perfect. of the Moon How there. Good, it looks and amazing. It looked great, you know, because it was so brightly lit and everything, you know. So it's if things are fairly dark. But I saw the Expendables two mm. there, and I'm telling yeah. you, there couldn't have been a better place to watch the Expendables two. I mean, that's that, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. That's why like horror place. movies do so well there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And Fast and the Furious. Uh, I went. I'll mm-hmm. never forget. I went to see Fast Five there, and they had something called the Fast Rollout. This was on the opening weekend. And when I tell you, a hundred hot rods like went there, parked, and left all together, and went down the streets. It was like organized. Now it's like that's how these fucking movies are making so much money. They get into car clubs, and they all get together. So. Yep. It is a. It is a fun um, thing, the drive-in. It really is. It really is. So if you get a chance, go out there and support your local drive-in, support the films. Um, I know we talk shit here about Mall Rats, but you can get it on iTunes. You can get it uh, pretty much anywhere they're selling digital digital formats. But you can also get it for free on Kevin Smith's Facebook page. Go there and check it out. <laughs> um, it streams perfectly. You can throw it to your TV. I watched it. It was great quality. Um, support Kevin Smith. Support the film and, uh, and do all that. I'm glad we went back and looked at this. We're going to go back and look at some more films coming up. Gladiator will be one of them, and we have many, many more podcasts for you. So join us every Monday this year for a new episode of the Movie Mavericks podcast. Speaking for Jason, speaking for Jason, I speak for Jason all yeah, day long. You do. It's crazy. Yeah, sometimes I speak for myself, sometimes I speak for him. Uh, but I'm going to speak for Trevor Anderson, speaking for Jason Rugard. We are the Movie Mavericks. We'll be back with you soon.